Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is the podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Dr. Julie Torres Johnson, author of the book, Women Who Take Your Breath Away, The Leslie Patron Story. This is the inspiring and heartwarming story of a mother and daughter's 50-year journey through the world of cystic fibrosis. Leslie's medical prognosis was that she wouldn't live to be seven. Although people with gene-based diseases don't often have spontaneous remissions, Leslie had one. And despite the odds, she lived a fully functioning life to the age of 50. Dr. Julie, welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for inviting me. So why don't we start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your book. Okay. Well, um, this book was written because uh, when Leslie was on her deathbed, she asked me, she had asked me for years to write her, to write her story. And I had planned to do it and I hadn't done it uh, because I was a minister and I was very busy with a big congregation. So on her deathbed, she asked me to write it. And so this is the result of answering that, that request, her desire. So does the book cover uh, Leslie's life? Yes. The book is a story of Leslie from the time she was born through her life and the journey that we took through the world of cystic fibrosis together. Okay. Do you want to give us a couple of examples from the book uh, that was on your journey? Yeah. I think what makes the book unique is that according to medical authorities, spontaneous remissions don't happen with gene-based diseases. Mm -hmm. And Leslie, of course, had a spontaneous remission and lived to be 50 years old. And not only lived to be 50, but had a very full and wonderful life, a very productive life in spite of her disease. Yeah. So can you tell us just a little bit about Leslie, what she was like? Yeah, well, she she was an unbelievable woman with incredible um, energy. She did so much and she accomplished so much. And all her life, she would say, I, I may have cystic fibrosis, but cystic fibrosis does not have me. Oh. So she, in spite of her challenges, she never let it get in the way of all the things that she wanted to do. She had a wonderful marriage. She was um, she had a, a very successful business. She was in business for, for 15 years, very successful sales manager of a big company. Mm-hmm. And, and she... Um, Started a with just with family, she started um, writing down on T-shirts, believe, and um, from just from the little small family group that grew to um, over uh, 500 donors. And she raised over $500,000 for a cure for cystic fibrosis. That's amazing. And it sounds like her energy and her enthusiasm was uh, contagious, too. It was. She was just one of those people that everybody loved having around. In fact, when we had her memorial service, 500 people showed up, people that I didn't even know. One lady flew all the way from New York City to California because she had a son that was 19. And she had heard about Leslie's life and Leslie's story, and she wanted to be there. So it it was she made a difference in the world. And, you know, at the end, 
Um, there is a, an award called Women Who Take Your Breath Away, mm-hmm. and uh, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation changed that, re- that award permanently to the Leslie Patron Women Who Take Your Breath Away Award. Oh, and that's, that's amazing. Oh, my God. That's a, wow. It's an award that's given to women with cystic fibrosis who live normal, as normal as possible, as normal as possible. Oh, that's amazing. That's such a wonderful story. And can you tell us maybe as you were writing the story, what were some things that you learned during the writing process or maybe some things that surprised you as you were writing Leslie's story? Well, you know, one of my greatest discoveries in the process of writing the story is that love and fear are mutually exclusive and that wherever there is fear, love cannot be. And so, and love is what heals. So the process for me was trying to shift my consciousness from um, always feeling that I was extending fear, multiplying fear to extending love. So I went through this incredible process of trying to uh, catch myself. I had, a, I had a wonderful practitioner who helped me, and she told me that, uh, that every time she would see me, she would say, Julie, did you multiply fear today or did you extend love? Uh-huh. So every time I would I, I put myself in this process of being very conscious of extending love all the time and not multiplying fear. And since I had been multiplying fear most of my life, this was a whole new um, frequency for me, but it was right. the importance of raising my frequency to the power of love because I was convinced from everything I read that healing only takes place through the power of love. Right. I, I found a wonderful practitioner who helped me to change my thinking and my consciousness from negativity to positivity and to think love and to express it. In, in my life, as a, I was a high school counselor at the time, and mm-hmm. to express that with my students as well, and with my family, and just have Leslie see that and experience that. Yeah, and, and feel that, I'm sure, too, right? Feel that resonance of love, which is so different from the resonance of fear, which uh, I think many of us do go through life in, intentionally or not. We, it's, it just seems to be the default setting for a lot of us. But raising that frequency and that vibration up to love is such a different resonance that is so much more powerful um, as, as, you know, from your story, we can tell. Yeah, and, and removing the fear that I, because certainly I had had a lot of fear about losing her, and, and I had probably instilled that fear in her. So this was a, a whole new experience for me to switch all those thoughts that I had pl- planted in her brain about how serious her illness was to convincing her that she was whole and perfect and to seeing her that way, because oh, that's man. what love does. Yeah, I love that whole and perfect and seeing her that way and her then being able to see herself that way too in return. Exactly. Every time she would mention something about being sick, I would say, no, you're not sick. You're healthy and whole and perfect. And seeing her, that that was the hardest part was, was really seeing her that way. Yeah. Can you tell us about a special scene in the book that you wrote about maybe one of your favorite stories of Leslie or something that um, really stood out to you in the writing process? Now, you know, my favorite story in the book is um, that she appeared to me after she died. And I'm not one of these people who really believes in that stuff. So it was a very big shock and surprise to me. I was sitting in, in a chair in my 
I had just moved to uh, South Carolina where I was going to be the minister of a large church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was not feeling well that day. And I remember sitting in my chair and trying to be positive about myself and try to rise above the feelings of, of uh, not feeling well. Yeah. Um, and suddenly, out of nowhere, there stood Leslie in front of me. I was sitting in a chair and she stood right in front of me and she said, hi, mom. Oh my and God. I was so shocked by seeing her that it didn't even occur to me that she was dead or that she had died or that she shouldn't be there. I was just totally overwhelmed by her presence. And she said, I'm glad that you and Lexi, Lexi was my dog. I'm glad that you and Lexi are here. And she disappeared. And when she disappeared, I said, wait, wait, don't go. I had so many questions I wanted to ask her. I wanted to ask her what it was like in in the spirit world. And I wanted to ask her if she had seen her, my brother or or her grandmother or what. I had so many questions, but she was gone in an instant. And I sat there feeling very enlivened. Like I wasn't sad. I wasn't, I didn't feel sick. I just felt very, uh, it was a mystical experience. Yeah. And I grabbed my, my, uh, my diary and I started writing. Leslie just appeared to me out of nowhere. This is what she said and so on and so forth. I started writing it all down because I was afraid that I wouldn't even believe it. It was right. not something that I was used to believing. So, um, so that was a, a very powerful uh, experience for me to know that Leslie was aware that I'd written that book and that she yeah. was uh, fine. She, because she looked beautiful. Her, she didn't have that sick look at all. She was right. dressed beautifully. Her hair was just beautiful. Her eyes were sparkling. She didn't have that, you know, those dark circles under her eyes. Um, she was beautiful and healthy and whole. And it was very, very comforting to me. Oh, that's wonderful. And has that happened again? Or was that just no, one time? She never appeared to me again. Oh, it was the one just time. That, one, that one time. Oh. It, was, it was her way of comforting me because yeah. writing the book was very hard on me. I, it was so sad. It took yeah. seven years because every time I try to write it and remember all those incidences with her, I would just be so sad. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm sure. And then that encounter with seeing her, did you feel like that it, it energized you? Did you feel the energy from her coming? Totally energized me. Um, yeah. All symptoms of the flu that I was experiencing were gone. And I slept like a baby that night and I got up and I had my first Sunday at my new church. The oh. following Sunday. Oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, for so what are some themes that you would use to describe your book i would say that my book is 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 a book for um for anyone who's having a, a challenge in their lives and feel feel desperately lost don't know what to do about it. um and i think that that just shifting their energy to the energy of love is the first step and if yeah. it, if they need to read books about people who have done it, that would help. But that's the first step is moving out of negativity and out of yeah. fear. Yeah. And I was reading the reviews on Amazon from your book. You've got a lot of great reviews and it seems like that, that resonance is coming through from people reading the book. They are getting that and being able to feel that, which is wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's really, I'm hoping that people um, 
many, many people will be able to change their lives yeah. by changing their energy from yeah. the energy of fear and the energy of, of, of regret and resentment to the energy of love. Yes. What would you say surprised you the most about writing your book? I think what surprised me the most was how um, I, I always knew she was a wonderful woman and we had a very close relationship. It was much more, um, a, it was a mother and daughter relationship, but it, there was a lot of two women who liked and loved each other in, in that whole relationship. So what surprised me the most was how powerful she was as I started writing about her and the things that she was able to accomplish and how she was able to have such resilience because there were times when she was really sick, but she would not let that get in the way of what needed to be done. Yeah. And being able to, to, to fall back on the words you're telling her that, you know, she's not her sickness. She's not that right. And bringing that resonance of love and, that internal strength that builds up over time, hearing that versus telling ourselves the negative story that, you know, pull us down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's really what happened is that, that her energy was so focused on health and wholeness that her body just shifted to that place of wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. None of the symptoms that she had, uh, appeared for 10 years. None oh, wow. She became a long distance runner in high school, and this is a lung disease. She, um, she accomplished so many things. She graduated from college and um, married a normal guy. We call him a typical, a typical guy that didn't have <laughs> any kind of sickness and had a very happy marriage and was very successful as a sales manager in a big company. So she just in spite of her disease, I'm not going to say it wasn't there, but in spite of it, she just went on and did what she needed to do. Right. Yeah. What are you most proud of as it relates to your book in the writing process? I think it's the most, it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I've done so many things. I, you know, I was a high school uh, Spanish teacher and and, uh, I was a counselor and, and I, have a PhD and all that stuff, but nothing was as important to me as the writing of this book. For one thing, because I kept my promise and I felt like every step of the way she was with me, I could feel her presence, even though I didn't see her. Um, It was, it created a a closeness and an admiration that increased with the writing of the book and a feeling that she knew that I was doing this. And so it comforted me in, in so many ways. Yeah. And being able to tell that story, put it out to the world. And then other people are able to, you know, be, be, see things in a different way, see a different way to do things, even in spite of, you know, disease problems, whatever it is. Um, when you, like, as you mentioned, when you see one person can go through it and find strength. And I think that gives the others the strength too, which, um, is amazing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing to me how, when you become willing to um, let go of fear and negativity yeah. in your thinking, you know, just catch yourself and make the make the uh, make the, the commitment to do that. That that things seem you start to shift your energy to a higher realm. I mean, you could call it a spiritual realm or just a higher realm, but you're in a different space and you see yeah. life differently. Who would you say your book would appeal to and why? 
I think my my book would appeal to um, new new age, not not a new thought. I like to think of it as new thought rather than right. new age. I think it would appeal to you know people like Oprah Winfrey and the group her group and um, Wayne Dyer and that that kind of contemporary uh, writing because they all teach about positivity and right. uh, traditional Christianity teaches about. Um, you know, begging and pleading God to heal right. you rather than doing your part. So I, I think it would be more contemporary readers yes. that are interested in that. Yes, and that what you're saying about the begging and pleading that's, temp, you know, usually taught is in what your story shows. I mean, to me, from talking to you and learning about it is taking your own power back, right? Taking your power back and making the decision that um, I, this is how it's going to be for me. I, I choose this way. It's really easy to choose the other way. It's easy to choose fear, but I'm going to choose something different and live my life accordingly. Right, and the and I had to shift my my belief in a God that was outside of me yeah. Uh, yeah. to a God presence that was in me and that expressed in me as healing love. Yes, but, but I had to so to totally shift that because my mother really believed that unless I begged God to save Leslie, he was going he was going to take her from me because I wasn't looking at things from her perspective. So right. he was punishing me by taking my child. Oh. And I had to appease him and beg him not to do that. So shifting that consciousness from that, because that was the religion I was in. I really, right. Yes. Yeah, I was I can relate. Yes, yeah. I can relate completely. Yes. So shifting that to the to having somebody say, you know, I have a practitioner that can help you. And the first thing she said to me was, she said, Julie, you have to change your perspective of God. Yeah. God is not a big an old man up in the sky looking down at you. God is a presence in you. Right. And it's the presence of love and love heals. So if you can get in touch with that presence, then you can you can get that presence to get your daughter to get in touch with it. And right. that's the, that's really the only hope you have. Otherwise, she's going to die at eight because they told me she would die at age seven. And so did you work with that practitioner when she was diagnosed? It, no, I met her. I, I had two horrible years of being very depressive and, and angry and bitter because I really believed that God was taking my child to punish me. So yeah. I, I had two very bad years and uh, I was taking French in graduate school and I met a, a man in graduate school who said, you know, I think my mother can help you. And his mother was a practitioner and she did an incredible job of changing my thinking wow that's amazing i like to call it cognitive restructuring yeah that's what she did with me total cognitive restructuring yeah and and see where that took you your willingness to do that and the ripple effect that that had i love stories like that that's just amazing it's it's so amazing before we close out today is there anything we haven't talked about today that you want to make sure the readers know about your book i i want the readers to know that it took two years it didn't happen overnight it yeah. took two years for me to shift my thinking to a higher level and to, yeah. to bring my vibration up to the point where healing and was possible. So not to get discouraged. It doesn't happen overnight. It's just not something that just something you have to work on and you have to totally be committed to. But it really does make a difference in your life. It certainly made a difference in mine. Yeah, definitely from, from talking with you. And I think also it's a daily choice. 
to make that decision, right? It's a getting up every day and making the choice. I'm going to believe this way, or I'm going to look at this, this way. And I choose love over fear. It's a daily choice. And you really have to be awake to do that. You know, you have to be attentive, paying attention to what you're saying and what you're doing so that what you're saying and what you're doing is positive rather than negative. Yeah, I agree. Dr. Julie, thank you for for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story about Leslie and um, coming on today and telling us about her. And also, I think offering, um, you know, everything we've talked about today with uh, self-empowerment, love being, you know, reminding the listeners that um, we can choose love over fear and your story, Leslie's story and and the examples that you provided are such an an amazing testament to living a life that way when, when you make that choice. So thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. And the book will be in audio next month. Okay. Amazing. You can find out more about the book, Women Who Take Your Breath Away, The Leslie Patron Story on Amazon, and I'll link to the book in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.